everyone, this is Josh from Solopreneur Grind, and I am here with Mike Mall from Social Media House. Mike, really appreciate you coming on the show today. Yeah, thanks a lot for having me. Awesome, Mike. So really excited to dig into your background, your backstory, but for those who haven't heard of you before, can you just tell us a little bit about Mike, what you're working on these days? Yeah, absolutely. So I run an agency called Social Media House. Uh, we help small to mid-sized businesses uh, take on social media and advertising on their own. Uh, a lot of companies you know, have used an agency with whatever level of success in the past, but feel like they should be you know, taking it on on their own, and we, uh, we help them get there. Awesome. C- can you explain that a little bit further? Because I've never heard that angle, right? You, you hear about agencies that say, we'll do it for you or, you know, fully outsource solutions. What exactly do you mean uh, help you take it on your own? Yeah, absolutely. So, um, you know, we are a full service agency, uh, have had the business in various forms for about seven years. And, uh, you know, we've done we've done social media management. We've done, you know, short-term takeovers we've helped people create content for their channels Um, and one thing that we find particularly with social media is that when an agency is trying to provide the voice of your company it doesn't typically work that well there's somebody in the business who's who's that's the heart and soul of it who can really speak to the audience better than a company with some guidelines and so we're really uh we're really trying to find a niche there's very few companies like us it's a really new product but i think as people start to kind of move away from agencies and, and want to take it on uh, i think there's a great we're carving ourselves a great niche so yeah we actually go in and do an entire day figure out you know the brand voice what platforms people should be on um, all the best practices how to map out you know a year's worth of content we, we do that in a, in a one hour exercise and people really leave with the ability to manage their own social media kind of after we're done. Right. Which I think is so important in an age where so much content is being created to stand out. You kind of need that authenticity to, to really connect with your audience. So that's great. I'm interested to learn how you got there. Is this a sort of because the business model is very unique. How did the business model come about? Have you worked in agencies before? Would love to hear the story of what leads up to it. Sure. Uh, complete and utter random luck. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, so I, uh, I didn't get into marketing in any capacity until seven years ago. Um, oh, wow. I've had a, a, a lot of different businesses on my own growing up. I was very entrepreneurial kid. I always, you know, I was always, even when I was in high school, I was working 20 to 30 hours a week plus, you know, flooring installation business that I owned. And like, so, I mean, I was working all the time, all day, every day, just seeing what, you know, seeing how I could make money. And, um, and so I thought that I would go to school for, you know, business, uh, but I was never a very good student in terms of my, my capacity to learn under those circumstances were really poor right um I, you know i did everything i could i paid off teachers in high school to pass certain <laughs> courses that, that actually happened wow. um and so for me i went to university for a year and a little bit i got on academic probation really quick and uh i just uh, i tried but i my heart was never really in it so i left school pretty quickly about a year and a little bit in to university and then uh, i went into sales because i've always been in sales kind of my my background mm-hmm. uh, for a flooring store for a bunch of years that was a really successful company uh, and then I got pulled into insurance which mm. is completely unrelated mm-hmm. uh, and I did like commercial property claims and then I did risk assessment I uh, I used to at one point I was evaluating um, how much injuries were worth like mm-hmm. deaths and disfigurements and stuff so I put oh, a God. price tag on that so yeah. it was pretty fucked up I don't know if I can swear on here but yeah, we're okay. <laughs> Worst um, case, I'll take it out after. All right. And um, yeah, so I did that for about six years. And I oh, always kind of, wow. yeah, and I always kind of had something else going on the side. And uh, I got like really screwed up over just like how weird and how kind of depressing the work was. And like, I just didn't feel like I was in a very good place. And mm-hmm. uh, I'll never forget the day I was sitting in my car in the parking lot outside of the office. And uh, like, I just physically couldn't reach for the handle to open the door. I couldn't Jeez. do it. My brain, like I was like shaking and I was like, I can't go back. I can't go right. in there. So I like called my family and talked to them about it. And they were like, yeah, you know, it's fine. Find another job mm-hmm. and then leave. And I'm like, you know what? 
absolutely right. And so I got out of my car and I quit on the spot that second and I never right. showed up again. What, why, why do you think you <laughs> stuck around so long considering the entrepreneurialism that, that was, seems to be in your blood? Um, was, that, was that pulling you earlier? To, I'm, I'm kind of surprised that you would stay in a job for that long given, uh, given your history. Yeah, definitely. I, um, it was very easy and the money was cozy. And mm. so that was kind of my motivation for the, for what age I was when I started like at 20 or whatever, I was making decent money. Mm-hmm. And then every year during like the performance evaluations, they would assign another, you know, whatever the raise was. And I, I would literally just go back and be like, that's cool. Plus 5,000. They'd be mm. like, no, no, we can't like just give you another $5,000 a year. I'm like, no, no, make it happen. I'm very mm. good at this. I'm dominating everybody. Just give me more money. Mm-hmm. And so literally every time I thought about leaving, I would just say, Hey, can I have $7,000 more? And they're like, uh, yeah, I guess. <laughs> and then I, you know, I made the move me to BC and then I moved back and, mm. uh, I like, I had a company car and a home office. So it was right. very comfortable and I right. kind of was able to push my way around for whatever reason they didn't kind of bite back. And so it was mm. out of just complacency and like the coziness of money and whatever. Right. But yeah, I would say no, for the entire duration of it, there was always something that like wasn't quite right. And I was always working on like little websites or like little side projects during the time I was there. Right. Okay. Yeah. So, so you make the decision to quit. What was the next step after that? <laughs> uh, I didn't have a plan when I quit. <laughs> right. I, I just knew that I was going to quit. And so, um, yeah, two weeks later I was sitting in the backyard, of my apartment, uh, with a buddy of mine and we just got talking about robots and it was like <laughs> a really weird staggered conversation. And then we we're like, you know, I really wish there was something that could like tell me what the best price was for stuff. Mm-hmm. And I don't remember the exact things, but the whole point of it was that what if there were, we built something that like understood where the prices were at everywhere and could report it back to you or like give you an alert when the price was in the best price and whatever. We're like, you know, you know what? It'd be like a shopping robot. Okay. Mm-hmm. And then uh, we kind of like a day or two later, we were like, you know, there's, it's really, groceries is something everybody buys all the time mm-hmm. and like if i have a shopping list if i'm you know especially in the suburbs if I'm, if I'm willing to travel to a couple different stores and i had a specific list i would love for it to be like go buy these eight things here go buy those 10 things there right or like alert me when my dr ogre pizzas go on sale and so we came up with this concept called gbot and it was a grocery mm-hmm. shopping robot <laughs> and uh yeah we tried building it for a couple of years self-funded put all like everyone put all of their money in and it didn't quite go um and so that was like my first big l Mm -hmm. as a business owner but yeah that's how that's how it it was just like random conversation in the backyard we're like we're gonna start a software company now Mm -hmm. everyone's like do you know anything about software i'm like i don't care we're gonna (laughs) do it so so was that made possible Mm -hmm. because throughout the employment you had saved a lot of money and and you put yourself in a good position to give this a chance uh i wouldn't say a lot um, I was always very resourceful around money. So even when we were kind of going at this full time, if I needed an extra like thousand bucks, I could go get a thousand dollars, whether right. it was like selling, but like it didn't, nothing illegal. Right. That was in my early, early <laughs> days, but, um, <laughs> no, but like, uh, you know, if, if I learned, I would just learn how to do something on YouTube and then sell right. that thing to somebody. Right. If I needed, if I needed a thousand bucks, I was right. always kind of that person. So right. I, uh, yeah, I didn't really think about it. I didn't really have enough money to dig in and start it, but I kind of just did anyway. Right. And then while we were working on that, I then took a job as um, in sales for a marketing agency uh, out of Mississauga. And I kind of quickly went from salesperson to I had a team of 15 to I had kind of East East GTA. And then oh, they wow. sent me across the country to open locations at different uh, in different uh provinces mm-hmm. so i did that like that all that was like in like a year and a half worth of time while you were working on gbot yeah oh wow yeah so yeah. some long days yeah we were like I mean, people say oh i worked 18 hours like it was it was 18 hours a day yeah. like we were doing data we didn't understand the magnitude of data required from grocery stores the average mm-hmm. grocery store has about two uh 23,000 skews unique skews and so sometimes we'd get whole foods came on and they were very organized with their data and we plopped their data into our database and it was amazing Mm -hmm. and then like no frills said yes and we had to manually like it was like all abbreviated brands and product names it was like a dos system so we were like manually entering 
Jeez. Thousands overnight. That was like from 9 p.m. till 3 in the morning. Was like doing data entry into spreadsheets to just trying to make this thing happen. So no, right. I, didn't, I didn't sleep for a couple of years for right. sure. <laughs> what would you recommend if if you or or if you were speaking to someone who is was sitting in the car that you were sitting in when you made the decision to quit your job, looking back and having gone through what you've gone through now, what would you recommend either to yourself back in that car or, mm. or what would you say to people who are stuck in a nine to five right now that they don't like or like you, they feel like there's something else out there? Yeah, I mean, I think what I'd recommend is like there's a lot of little like side jobs that you can get like it doesn't have to be a hustle you're making your own revenue from something like you can go you know get into something that's commission based mm-hmm. and like do it for like an hour a day like you could do you know cold calling to book leads for a company and they pay you x amount for every confirmed lead so like you don't need to like be able to craft your own business but right. there's like really easy ways if you put yourself in the right position to spend like an extra like hour or two every day to work to kind of get you know what I mean? To kind of mm-hmm. pad that while you're figuring it out. Um, I wouldn't have done it differently because I'm a very extreme personality. I'm very much like I'm here or I'm there and there's mm-hmm. no in between. So I didn't, have, to me, mentally, I, there, I didn't have a choice. I would have been so checked out. I wouldn't have been able to function. Um, but I would say like, you know, just dip your toes into the water and learn the things that you like and you don't like. One of the things I did growing up is I worked, I didn't work any conventional jobs, but mm-hmm. I worked in so many random, like I had so many random jobs. Yeah. And so I learned like j- just through like actually take, like just through experimenting and dicking around with part-time stuff, like understanding, ooh, I don't like this piece. Right. You know, I were, I was like a, I was a bingo caller for a while <laughs> and I, I loved it. You get on the microphone and like yeah. you've announced the numbers and then people are like cheering for you cause you made them win money. And I was like, you know, if I, I reflect back and I hadn't really ever process this until you made me answer the question now but uh you know i love the format of being on video which is what my podcast is and Mm -hmm. like being up on the stage i just always love being that center of attention all eyes on me like i love i I liked that a lot i didn't register that till now but Mm -hmm. even like it's a weird job and i think and i worked at like you know a gun range and we used to (laughs) carry these boxes of clay targets and then sit underground and load them onto a machine so people could shoot them like it was a rid- I was like 13 it was a <laughs> ridiculous job but I was like ooh manual labor uh uh-uh, uh not for me don't like it right. so i think like just screwing around with a bunch of different stuff like go right. you know what i mean like just work like 5 hours a week at a grocery store and out of this and out of that places where the people can use you piecemeal and like just figure out what it is that you actually like to do right cuz that's one advantage i had when i left i didn't have a plan but I was very aware of what I liked and didn't like. Mm-hmm. It was very easy for me to just be like, this is the next path. Right. How important do you think finding that out is? Because I find, especially these days, like one of the one of the big debates is, you know, like the whole passion, you know, the word passion, follow your passion. Some people mm-hmm. say you should, some people say you shouldn't. What are your thoughts on that? Um, I think it doesn't have to be your literal passion. Mm-hmm. I think that's where a lot of people get confused. They're like, oh, but I'm a nerd for Ninja Turtles. So I got to do right. something around Ninja Turtles. Like, what? Right. No, no you, no, you don't. Like, maybe you like, um, like, what do you like? You have to understand what you like about it. And then what are the, the strengths that you have in your life that would allow you to do it? So if right. I like Ninja Turtles, maybe it's because I like the idea of like sci-fi or whatever. So maybe you could get a job moving shit around on movie sets to do a sci You know what I mean? It, it, I think you taking a step back from like here's the literal thing that i like now i have to make it around that individual thing i think if you understand why you like it or what the gist of that is right and then whatever however that aligns with your strengths are you a creative person do you just want to like you like to sit back and like watch it happen do you like the exertion of physical labor right then work that plus that other piece together and then i think you get a better sense does that make sense right yeah yeah and, and it's really in line with your previous answer of try a whole bunch of stuff you might not fall in love with one thing but you'll learn if you don't like it or, or parts of it that you do like and then your next step you can you know build on the stuff that you do like so mm-hmm. totally makes sense so so let's go back to gbot mm-hmm. uh, that comes to an end what did you take from that experience and then what was the next step from there um, yeah, I mean, I think I learned all the, th- the ways to not run a company. 
<laughs> especially when your money's yeah. on the line. So I think that was a big thing. You know, we did some cool yeah. stuff. Like we we got in line with some investment. We never kind of moved forward with it. We did um, Dragon's Den, did like a spinoff show, which we went on and oh, we got wow. a deal on there. And like, it was kind of interesting. Um, I think the biggest thing was like, um, that we learned from it is when you, so with a lot of people, and uh, like they're like after hours thing or the thing that they're working on on the side it's not do or die and so you can be very passive and you can be lazy with certain components of it mm-hmm. and that's so i think what i learned is no matter if it's a side thing or something you're trying to build up you know that you don't it's, you're, it's not life or death treat it like it's life or death everything right. everything every day is life and death because like for us we like if we didn't go sell marketing products then the developer stopped working and then we were all screwed like we were right. month to month for ever right um and it was it was really hard it was very like it was an 18 month just ball of stress every day 18 hours no sleep no like it was exhausting and i think um i'm sorry i lost my train of thought a little bit but um well uh, what would you say how can you create that then because let's say some people do have the side hustle and, Mm -hmm. and maybe they're making a comfortable income with their with their main job and they are comfortable is there a way you can create that urgency, that that make or break type mentality towards the side hustle, even though it might not actually be that way? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I think you put you, what I would do is I put things in place that a real business would have sales mm-hmm. targets or goals, right. like very specific goals, and then assign a, a if you have to, if you're not psychologically like if, if that's not good enough to kind of trick yourself, like put in put in penalties to it. So you like mm-hmm. you know if like it has to make you know a thousand dollars this quarter, my side whatever it is, right? right? And like then you're like cool. If that's the case, then I have ninety days. If I divide that thousand dollars by ninety days, then it's this much a day. Mm-hmm. If I know that I need to do this action to do one sale, which is this, I need this amount of sales. If I need this amount of sales, I know I need to talk to a certain amount of people to get them, mm-hmm. right? So you can reverse engineer it, but right. set goals and kind of like just hold yourself accountable to it as if it were a business, even if the goals are small, right? right. If it's like three hundred bucks a month, say like you need to get you need to be at a certain amount by week three of the month, or else whatever and when those are in place you can paint the picture of what you need to do to get there if you don't have that picture then it's very hard to assign pressure to yourself to take actions right so even like think about it from the sales perspective if i know that i need to talk to five people or sorry 10 people to get one sale that's Mm -hmm. like the worst case scenario like 10 percent closing right Mm -hmm. you've probably heard that before so if i need five sales then i need to talk to 50 people to get my five sales Right. And if I need to talk to 50 people, how many people do I need to do whatever I need to do to get those 50 meetings? Mm-hmm. So then, okay, so I need one in every two person that I talk to gets gives me a meeting. Mm-hmm. So then I need to talk to 100 people to get the 50 to get the 10. Right. Right. And so it, if you understand those just from your like keeping track of, you know, closed one, closed lost or however you do it. Right. It could be e-commerce. I need this much traffic to the site to get a sale, whatever right. that thing is, right. um, you know, set a goal and then reverse back through that goal so that you can understand how much action is required. Got it. Yeah. yeah. Makes a lot of sense. And you said a couple minutes ago, you found out every way not to run a business. I'd love to know what, what a few of those things are. So if I haven't already done them, I can mm. try not to. Yeah. I mean, I think, you know, one of the big things that we did wrong is there were a lot of, so especially in the fundraising side or like even in the sales side, you know, there's a lot of people that can get really excited with you in a meeting and say, yeah, it's a done deal. But like until it's a done deal, mm-hmm. don't account for it. Till the money's in the bank. Till the money's in the fucking bank, man. Yeah. yeah. Like we had so many people back out of so many different things that were like, you know, we had made plans and because we were you know so tight financially and such a small team, we were like, okay, this is like, this is going to happen. So this will result and like when it didn't it was like shit now where do we go where do we get that money so mm-hmm. we had to kind of start over again in in some context because um we had accounted for things that weren't solidified so that's a that's a big thing seems obvious but like when you're like young and people are really excited about your idea and they're like yeah we're gonna do it it's like amazing like mm-hmm. to me that's a done deal now yeah now being a little bit more seasoned as a business owner, mm-hmm. I talk to, sometimes I just say that to get people off the phone. Right. Right. If I get a 
call from some software that wants to demo something I'm like, yo, bro, for sure. I'll definitely demo that thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I'm like, yeah, just get in touch in like two weeks and it's a done deal. And then I'm mm. like, I'm not going to answer your fucking call again. <laughs> you just, I just wanted to get you to shut up. Right. So you yeah. don't. You, so now seeing that side of it, it's not the nicest. I try not to do that, but mm-hmm. it does happen when you're busy and you're just like that person's very persistent. Right. You just say whatever it is to get them off the phone. Right now I'm looking right. back. I'm like, shit, that was happening to us all the time. <laughs> Damn it. Right. Um, and then I think operationally, I think, you know, the way I run this company now where it's all everyone's remote, um, we have like really specific workflows and structure and checkpoints, which we didn't really have because we didn't really understand what was required of it. So taking a step back and saying, how does this get from a client saying yes to execution? What's mm-hmm. every step and how do you break them down into sub steps and like, what's the most micro you can get all these things right. and then who executes them and who checks it and like, who's responsible for each of these little things. Cause like even, you know, even like sending out an e-blast for a client now, it's like, it's, it's, there's like 40 different things we look at. Mm-hmm. That's a lot of shit. Someone's got to go through a check, like a quality control checklist of 40 items. Hmm. And if it's, they don't all check, that doesn't go but right. it eliminates mistakes. So it's like now we didn't have that before. It was like, come on guys, just build the software as quickly. We didn't have, we got a, we had an approximate roadmap of the software, but like, like, Oh, we, this customer wants this feature and they're willing to pay right now. So change your mind. We're doing this. So right. we were a little bit scattered and we were kind of, we we're kind of stupid in, in some ways. And so that, that probably is a big thing. Just like understanding every step of how the business works and right. then what it takes for each step. So that way I think if looking back, if some, person's like hey i'll give you this much for advertising revenue like we would have just stepped back and be like yeah you know what it's not a good fit because us changing this pivot to the development is going to throw us off a month and then that doesn't help us right so we were just like you know in that kind of like desperate we need cash phase we were trying to do everything for everybody and it was just not great right <laughs> right no you're, you're not the first or the last person to make probably a lot of those mistakes yeah so so what was the next step from there the, the company comes to an end in whatever fashion it does where do you go from there yeah so we still had a couple of uh marketing clients um and all these clients we still have to date so hmm. um you know this is six seven years ago but uh this company called euro can pet products if you ever bought a treat for your dog they probably mm-hmm. manufactured it like mm-hmm. most companies private label their stuff so we were trying to get their e-commerce store going and uh, we do the marketing and social media for Raba, the grocery oh, store yeah. 40 they have 40 something locations so we do all their promos and their content and their um you know web stuff and we've been working with them for a really long time so we had kind of those clients that money was all coming in and paying for the team mm-hmm. and once we just kind of like there was too much uh, burn and we just had no we didn't have enough left we kind of just uh, at that point we're like yeah you know what got to shut it down we had one client who was private labeling our software mm-hmm. for their locations so we had like a little bit of a setup there but we it came to a point where like we had the hard conversation we all got to go get a real job now it's like it's not right. gonna, not going to happen so right. i was still working for that marketing agency a little bit and i kind of continued till the end of 214 or whatever it was 214 or 215 214 i don't remember the year i'm really mm-hmm. bad with timelines no and uh but i stayed on till the like from like August till the end of that year. And then I had the discussion with my business partners about the existing marketing clients saying, Hey, do you guys like, are we going to make a run of this? Or if not, I'd like to, you know, incur whatever money. Um, and then I'll take those clients. So I kind of bought out the marketing clients from mm-hmm. them and then they kind of went back to different positions. Right. Yeah. Right. So, so you mean the business partners from Gbot, mm-hmm. you had drum up marketing clients with them and you were also working for a mark the marketing company at the same time yeah oh wow okay yeah so, so that yeah little conflict of interest <laughs> but it's fine they knew um they knew and honestly right. we were I, i'm very good at sales of the type of product that they offer so i was making right. them so much money they couldn't care less i was right. like look i'm not gonna steal a lead that you give me and, and sign right them. i can right and they're like, fine, we trust you. And, and I would never, I just ethically would never do it. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, yeah, so I was kind of running uh, a team. Actually, at that point, I was doing the business development. So I was in Winnipeg, opening an office down there for them. And then I, I took on, I kept the marketing clients that were formerly in GBOT and I pulled them into my own new, Got it. new company. Got it. Yeah. And what was the thought process? Because obviously that's, I guess it wasn't, 
wasn't as big of a first step as, as for most, you know, entrepreneurs or solopreneurs because you already had some of those clients ongoing. But was it a difficult decision to say, I think I'm going to just go all in on the marketing stuff? No, because I, I never was involved in marketing before that. I learned everything I learned literally on YouTube. Oh, wow. I just like Googled it, mm -hmm. figured it out, did it for free for a little bit. And I'm like, okay, I got a handle on it. Start paying me. Mm -hmm. that's, how I always, I, that's how I learned everything. Right. And so I just I had a natural knack. You, I don't know if you've ever felt this, but there was like this sensation of like someone would ask, a question but you've never been involved in that type of business or whatever mm -hmm. but you just had an answer that right. made sense and then you could execute it and that would work and I was like oh shit right marketing that's my thing I right. now figured it out a hundred percent so no it by that point I had so much confidence in my natural ability around problem-solving in marketing that I did wasn't even hesitation Wow yeah that's great so. that's great so would you say that that came from all of the other stuff that that you tried because i mean right now um you know i'm at a point late 20s still trying to quote unquote figure things out and i think what a lot of people probably like myself and other people my age don't realize is and, and gary v talks about this a lot like still young as hell mm -hmm. right still super early in our careers but everybody wants to find the right fit mm -hmm. right now um it sounds like this kind of all culminated in those years and years of different businesses, different side jobs and full-time jobs and, and other stuff like that. Would, would you agree with that? A thousand percent. Yeah. Yeah. And, and if to the people that are saying, okay, well you had that opportunity, like I made, so I, this is the argument I would get, I will get from some people over this is like, they're like, Oh, well you did this all when you were young. It's true. Mm -hmm. I moved out. I moved out of my parents' house when I was 17. I oh, never wow. asked. I never, I funded everything. I've never asked for a dime. Mm -hmm. I've always made my own money. I've never, I mean, birthday gifts and stuff, but I've mm -hmm. never been like, hey, like I need some cash now. I've always right. made my own money. Right. So, I mean, I've kind of had that bit of an advantage. But even now, like if you were working, whatever it is, you're nine to five and you're like, I don't know, but there's something. I know, mm -hmm. like get a hold of uh, whatever, right? Like get a hold of an agency like us and say, hey, I'll work for free for like five hours a week for the next three months, as long as you give me some mentorship right. and teach me some shit. You right. can afford that if you're working your full-time job. Right. So you don't have to get, it doesn't have to be a side, like it doesn't have to be a side hustle where you gotta learn on your own. Just like give up your time for free to somebody and mm -hmm. then pick up what you can. And then you might go through those three months and be like, shit, I didn't like that. Mm -hmm. and a lot of people say, oh, well I wasted three months. No, no, mm -hmm. you learned what you didn't like right. you learned a thing there might have been that one nugget or the one relationship of the person that was there mm -hmm. you know what I mean the the coordinator for this other thing who you're like you know what I liked her job and she was right. really nice maybe she can get me somewhere else at her friend's business like it's 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 doing actions and mm -hmm. it's networking those right. are the only two things that are important you don't have to have any real skill in anything I don't have any skills Right. I, I, other than the things I learned literally how to do on YouTube. I right. learned how to do Google ads, watching a YouTube video. I'm like, right. okay, I get it. And then I, you know, asked someone for a $500 a month budget and I just worked my face off and I'm like, oh, okay, I get it. And now like, but you, and you know, you're never going to be the best or the per or perfect at it. Like to this day, someone will look at an AdWords account that I'm working in. Oh, why haven't you done this? I'm like, I didn't even know that was a thing, mm -hmm. but I know how to get by and I know how to do it at a high enough level that it's worth money to people and that's all you need right. people think you need to get like oh i got to be the best at this like i didn't know how to do anything right well, even now in my business all someone will be like oh do you do training for this i'm like sure they're like cool can you do it in a month i'm like yeah and i'll come back here and i'll be like yo team uh i need a four-hour course on how to do this and they're like what i'm like yeah yeah well it's sold so get mm -hmm. to it and they're like, right what I, that's almost like the best way to learn because you have to right yeah. there, there's no other choice um, and, and going back to what you said about giving your time for free and trying things out, let's say you volunteer for you, let's say you do marketing for three months, you might not like it, but now you learned a lot about marketing too. And, and you may not want to become a marketer, but mm -hmm. down the road, those skills are probably going to come, come in handy at some point. For sure. There's always something that's fundamentally important in everything. Mm -hmm. So like even a physical labor, like I'm helping people install pools, just through hearing conversation, just through learning certain techniques, you'll learn something that will help you down the road. It always happens. And people right. think, 
oh, if I'm not going to learn everything about this thing, it doesn't matter. Like I now, because of my weird range, people will hire me to do marketing consulting in their business. And I'll like, there'll be something that I use for a, a roofer mm-hmm. that I'm like, oh shit, you know, Miss, Miss Dentist, you should really try this. I saw this right. roofer that did that like six years ago. And this, I think based on your customer base and what I understand, like maybe that will work. Mm-hmm. And you'd be surprised how many like random parallels connect in that in that world. So I think it's mm-hmm. the same with everything. I think it's you know, less with like a labor style thing, but no matter where you are, you'll pick up stuff that will help build this who I am as a careered person or just as a human later. None of it's a waste of time. Right. Ever. For sure. So so let's talk about the the agency now a little bit, especially because marketing agencies have become pretty hot in the last few years with the prevalence of social no media doubt. and yeah, digital <laughs> marketing and, and all that stuff. Yeah. Um, so you're mostly self-taught. How did you go about getting kind of building that out? Right. You had a few clients to start, which is great when you're starting anything. Um, what were the kind of first steps to continue to, to build out the business once you decided you wanted to go full time? Got it. Um, good question. I have no idea. <laughs> I have no idea how to run a business. I mean, I've got tidbits now. I So what I did is I, he, here's the, the only thing I did really, really right early. I was making, so the revenue I was making from the handful of clients was around $70,000. was like the gross intake money mm-hmm. from the clients. So by the time you cover other certain expenses, hosting, networking stuff, um, online tools, mm-hmm. that goes down. But what I understood was that I would go in to my invoicing software and I would lose track of who I'd sent an invoice to or the, like organization mm-hmm. and attention right. to detail and that stuff, I was horrible at. Right. So before I even had enough money to pay myself, really, I hired somebody full-time. Wow. Of 80,000 revenue, I hired someone full-time at $40,000, 40-something thousand dollars a year. So not including any other expenses. So I was making nothing. Right. But I I understood how me being really bad at that stuff was holding me back. Even right. from even from something as simple as appointment booking, organizing my calendar, organizing my schedule. Mm-hmm. I get a lot of like word of mouth people want to talk to me whatever. And that's great, but like if I were to try and I'm a bit better now, but not much. Like I never even looked at a calendar. I would just wake up. My calendar was scheduled. The invoices, every phone call that I needed to make with the person and the topic and the phone number was in my calendar. Mm -hmm. And I would just click it and be like, yo, da, 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 da. Because I was the mouthpiece. I'm good at talking. I'm good at understanding the strategy stuff. And so I just took those things out of my hands super quick. Right. Even like, even companies like Wave, we use to date, you know, the, the, the free bookkeeping, the free stuff, bookkeeping yeah. guy. They just got bought by QuickBooks. I really hope QuickBooks, you do not screw up their product. <laughs> Don't do it like your own product. Sorry, yeah. I hate QuickBooks. And, uh, and so they, you know, it's a free thing. And mm-hmm. then as soon as I started bringing on people, I could run my own payroll, but like, you know how much calculated is involved in that? It's a bitch, man. So like they'll do it and it's like 30 bucks. Mm-hmm. And then for 200 bucks a month, you can have a bookkeeper who organizes every single expense of yours. I'm like, right. goodbye. Yeah. I'm never going to do that again. Mm-hmm. Like, don't try and get better at the stuff you're bad at. If right. you're bad, you're going to suck at it, and that's right. not going to change. So you getting to 40% competency in it, like, you just dread it. It was like, mm-hmm. here's my checklist of stuff to do. Say, so, oh, yeah, do this thing in accounting. I'm like, shit. And I know I'm going to put it off, and it's going to get pushed off for four days, and I'm going to be stressed. Mm-hmm. I'm like, I would rather be making way less money having someone else deal with all the crap that I don't know how to deal with or I right. or brings me anxiety and just let me do my important thing. Right, which, which ties into what's kind of becoming a theme of this talk, which is find what you're good at, right? Uh, and, and by outsourcing the things you're not, you're able to spend your time doing more of that stuff. For sure. Um, what would you say to people? So... Uh, selfish question. Mm. So, so I operate my own firm, as as my listeners would know, and I'm at the point where I am interested in, in scaling, and that would mean bringing on another lawyer or paralegal, which means a, a salary that's you know a number that I have to really stomach. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm more of a saver. I'm not a huge risk taker. I'm a conservative yeah. person, conservative businessman. How do I go about taking that approach? I've never hired someone full time. 
uh, what would you tell someone like me or like me, uh, me ex- specifically uh, in my situation? Yeah. And I mean, I think it depends. I think if I think it depends on what your real goal of the business is. So like if it's, I want to scale for money, but the, that process, like, so it depends, right? So if it's like, I want to increase a hundred percent in revenue, mm-hmm. then you need somebody. Right. If like 30% gets you excited, maybe you just have a virtual assistant that deals with crap and just right. takes certain tasks out of the way right. before, instead of bringing somebody else fully on, depending mm-hmm. on where you actually want to go. Right. What I would say is find, so find someone that fills your weaknesses mm-hmm. in a meaningful way. Um, and then find, or if it's like, Hey, we just need, I just need more horsepower in what I do. I would find someone that reminds you of you five years ago. Got it. That's a good, uh, that's a good tidbit. People have, uh, I, I've, you know, through all the different management jobs I've had, I've probably interviewed over a thousand people. Oh, wow. It's a lot of people. Yeah. And I've made a lot of hiring mistakes and mm-hmm. I've hired a couple of gems. Like the one of the girls that I brought on that the actually the guy that was running the team didn't like that much. And I interviewed her with him and um, she runs entire departments of this company. Now she's an mm-hmm. absolute killer. Um, and so I would, but, but it depends on what you need and understanding that and understanding who that person is fundamentally. So when you meet them, you're like, Oh, that person's not like me maybe they shouldn't be if you're trying to hire someone that has the opposite skill. Mm-hmm. If you're trying to find somebody that's like a young hustler who will go and get business and kind of run it as their own business, but under your brand, mm-hmm. then literally f- find someone that's three to five years younger who had a very similar, the last guy I hired, he does, uh, he took over like all our Facebook and Google ads. Now mm-hmm. he was like, yeah, I went into, I went into debt learning how to do Facebook ads, selling products on e-commerce stores mm-hmm. and took me through like, it took, it took me four minutes. I'm like, fuck, this guy was, it was what I did six years ago. It was exactly right. what I did. And he's that type of person, that grinder. Right. And so I was an instant, instant hire for me. Right. But, um, yeah, that's a, that's a good approach. Find mm-hmm. someone like you three to five years earlier. Haven't heard that. Uh, so, mm-hmm. so Mike, we got to touch on some more digital marketing stuff specifically. The the listeners are, you know, a lot of solopreneurs, whether they're coaches, consultants, have agencies, uh, selling physical products. What are some general big mistakes you find that a lot of companies or solopreneurs uh, are making or, or some of the common questions and, and or fixes that you find yourself making? Got it. Um, yeah, I mean, I'll speak specifically to digital because that's kind of my field i've done direct mail and some other stuff before but i'm not big on it Mm -hmm. um i would say that being too precious about your messaging is a big mistake Hmm. um can you expand on on too precious yeah so a lot of people have to keep things on brand and has to meet some mystical threshold that they don't even really have a clear path towards like do you have a, as a solopreneur as like the average person that owns a business like do you have a brand guideline a 20 page deck that mm-hmm. talks about your persona who you are what your feelings are on certain issues bullshit you do most Nobody probably does. don't yeah. right so don't so uh, people people think oh I, I i'm gonna limit what i put out content wise or in an ad or i'm not going to be open to the style because it doesn't, it's not on brand. But if, if you don't have those things outlined, you don't know what's on brand. So stop right. being precious about what that stuff is. Test. If you're buying Facebook and Instagram ads, you should be running a shitload of different stuff. Mm-hmm. Like to have like one post and be like, cool, this is the thing that's gonna make or break is a huge mistake. Right. So even just like, even setting up <clears throat> your, you know, your Facebook ad audience and just having like one audience and one piece of creative, like it's going to fail. Mm-hmm. And I'll tell you, you could have the exact same audience. So say you have an audience of 100,000. If that ad is working even remotely well, duplicate that ad. Because even even though like that one is working, people, oh, I got to do something that's different. No, I, I just duplicate what's working till it stops working. Mm-hmm. But don't But don't limit whatever the content and the messaging is going to be. Like you got to try different stuff because you got to remember that people are busy. If mm-hmm. I'm on my phone, if I'm on scrolling through Instagram, like you got to connect with me in a real meaningful way if you want me to buy something. 
For sure. Because you're just who are like, oh, this picture of your software product in action. I don't give a shit. Mm-hmm. Why would I care about that? So, but if it's like, you know, I'm a fan of a particular thing or I have, you know, I follow certain brands and it's like, hey, do you like how this company does their marketing? This tool, yeah, allow you to do it the same. Then I'm like, oh boy, mm-hmm. I want to be like that company. That's really cool. So limiting, um, limiting the amount of different content that you put out is, is a really big mistake because right. especially with Facebook and Instagram, they have the ability to narrow down your target so tight, mm-hmm. like so tight. I'll get my per- the example I always give is uh, a friend of mine owns a bridal shop and she had this ad that was going out to women in Toronto, you know, 28 to 35, whatever. And that was mm-hmm. her ad and it did okay. And I went in and I said, oh, did you know that you can add a layer of targeting if someone's relationship status is engaged? Mm-hmm. And she's like, nope. I'm like, game <laughs> over. Yeah. Now it's those women who are engaged. Mm-hmm. And now it's like, the, you know, the, the rate of click and the cost of the traffic is so small now mm-hmm. just because of that one little thing. So like really, so the, not being precious about the content and then understanding what targeting capabilities exist, particularly for Facebook and Instagram, it's right. more than you can imagine. You, right. There's like a PD, there's a three page PDF that I have that has every parameter that you can use to target somebody on Facebook oh, wow. and Instagram. I've had people in meetings delete Facebook accounts. <laughs> I, that's not an exaggeration. This girl goes, they know what? Fuck this. <laughs> and she deleted her Facebook account. She still yeah. doesn't have one. It's, it's crazy wow. what it knows. Because you're on your phone and Facebook's logged in. So you go to the store. Mm-hmm. Guess who knows you're there? Google and Facebook knew that you were there. Mm-hmm. Like, so they know everything. Like right. beyond everything, buying patterns, shopping habits, stuff that you would interact with. So understanding what those capabilities are, and right. then testing different versions of it. So if I know that I, you know, if I've got a brand of shoes that are like cool running shoes, right? Like if it's going to be like you know more comfortable than Air Jordans, I want to target Nike fans because right. I know that's probably somebody that's going to wear or who knows about what that product is. Right. So just like really breaking down how m- deep you can get targeting wise is really important for sure and and if we go if we move to to kind of just native content or Mm -hmm. you know just more regular posting non-paid ads what would you recommend maybe maybe someone's starting out they've created a company brand you know coaching business and they don't even know where to start in terms of content creation what would you advise them the the simplest answer the most straightforward answer is if you were your customer, what would you listen to? What would you watch? What would you read? Right. Because if you wouldn't watch it and it's your business, you're screwed already. Right. Right? So you can't post. There's so many businesses that are doing it terribly, terribly wrong, which is why I started this com- the company the way I'm doing it now. And so I would say, like, understanding okay if your target audience is this guy and you've drawn out a profile of him Mm -hmm. what does he care about what does he want to hear about don't talk about yourself all the time Mm -hmm. don't put your promotions and your hey we're doing like talk about other stuff that they care about find interesting stuff to share that they might find interesting if if you wouldn't be willing to follow what you put out damn nobody else is going to especially as a brand right you wouldn't stop and listen and read your own content your audience doesn't give a shit Right. So it's not it's not quantity necessarily. I think it's really paying attention to what the people that you want to talk to care about. Mm -hmm. You know, we do we talk to SaaS businesses all the time who are putting out, oh, the like here's something that's happening in the tech world. I'm like, no, no, no. If your customers are small business owners, you should be finding like you should be profiling companies like Wave and giving them a shout out, being like, hey, if you're a small business owner and you want this wicked accounting software. Here's mm-hmm. something and give an authentic shout out to some companies. Mm-hmm. Build resources or even pool resources of like things that would help a small business owner. So you got to understand who you're trying to talk to and then why would they why would they spend time looking or paying attention to anything that you're doing? And if if the answer is they wouldn't, then just don't bother. For sure. That that makes a lot of <laughs> sense. Yeah. So so my last kind of digital marketing question is with all of the platforms out there now, I mean, Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, uh, email marketing, all the options, mm. what do you recommend people do to start? Are there some better than others? Uh, wh- wh- what do you recommend to clients? Yeah, it's very subjective. Only because 
if you were, if you go back to where I was just coming from about who is you, who are the people that would care? Who is your audience? They might live in different places, right? Mm-hmm. If your if your business caters to like forty plus professionals, like they're not on Insta- they're on Instagram, but they're not consuming the way you want to consume. Mm-hmm. But they're probably you know are they professionals? Then they're probably on LinkedIn. They're probably if they're you know over forty five, they're probably on Facebook. So mm-hmm. understanding where those people actually spend their time. Mm-hmm. One thing that I'm really focused on with every single client right now, and it's the most important thing that I'm taking on is uh, is taking ownership of that audience off of platforms. Right. So you got to have a presence and you got to have a following. But I've seen like what Facebook's done to destroy people's organic reach over the last couple of years. Mm. And Instagram's going that way because they just want you to buy ads, right? Right. That's how they make that's how they make their money. It's you mm-hmm. buy their ads. So I'm seeing Instagram start to dip and LinkedIn's still really good, but it'll start to go and LinkedIn ads are very expensive. So what I would say is build an audience on either text or on email, somewhere that you own the conversation, that you right. own the data. Because right. it, as soon as Instagram decides whatever whatever it is, like I know people with I know people with like 750,000 followers on Instagram and just all of a sudden count gone. Mm-hmm. Some terms yeah. and conditions policy thing, they never Jeez. got it back. So yeah. that like that's game over for them. Right. So you can't rely on that. And we work, you know, part of social media has we work with a couple of artists, um, you know, fairly large names in hip hop on kind of managing their pool. Like I've got a guy with 3.7 million followers on Facebook mm-hmm. and like the reach for every post is horrible. Right. So I'm like, cool, let's get them on a text messaging platform so you can be like, hey, my new single's out. Hey, I'm going to be touring here. So right. like pulling them into a place where you own the conversation, to me right now is I'm very focused on it. Right. Yeah. yeah, makes a ton of sense. Awesome, Mike. This has been really great, really insightful. Last question is, go, having gone through your story, listening to all your insights, what would you tell someone who's maybe at the, right at the beginning or, or in the the the, the grind part of, of their solopreneur or, or entrepreneurial journey right now, if you could give them kind of one or two general pieces of advice. Sure. Yeah. I mean, I, I strongly believe that no matter what stage you're at, if you're out of the grind mode, you're in trouble. Uh, so I mm-hmm. feel like I act today. Like we don't have money to make payroll right. every day. Right. Always pretend like you don't have enough money to make payroll. Okay, what is that going to take? What do we got to do? Mm-hmm. Right. So I think always keeping making sure that you're always mentally aware of like it could go away anytime. So you better work your face off because someone else will come and take. Like I look in digital marketing, I have a unique position where like we have a couple of established businesses, but like we lost a couple of our big clients, the ones that are on a big retainer, like be a big problem for me mm-hmm. so like it could go at any point they hire someone in-house whatever that thing is so right. um stay very hungry and understand that like shit changes really fast we've right. had you know major clients leave that were like 50 percent of our revenue cool. and you're just like you're like cool so we've got like two and a half months got it let's right. figure that so you know that's always going to happen so be a- act take actions like that's always the case. Like you don't have enough money to make payroll next. Stay that level of focused. Um, I would say take as many actions as you can as quickly as you can. Um, leverage, leverage help. Um, you know, we use, there's a thing called Gen M, which is an interesting thing. It's like uh, if you want extra experience. I think I've got ads it. from them on Facebook. Yeah, yeah so marketing you get like intern. a, po- yeah, you get a student or a postgrad and it costs you like 47 bucks a month. And they'll do 10 hours a week of stuff, like that mm-hmm. kind of stuff. So like find those little things. Mm-hmm. Of like, So what I do now is I take this a- a podcast that I have, which is an hour long with video, and I say, hey, this needs to be 30 pieces of content. Right. Go. Here's the formula. Right. Go. And so, you know, whatever you can take advantage of, especially when you've got a limited amount of resources, find those things. Right. Um, but also um, take... I guess the one thing that I didn't do until really recently, and I, I don't have any regrets because it is what it is. But what I would say is like, take time once every couple of months to sit back and understand what's happening in a bigger picture. Mm-hmm. Take a full day to be like out. Right. It, and it's hard, but you can plan for it. Don't be lazy. Mm-hmm. Um, but like, 
taking a really like, am I enjoying this? Is the people that I'm working with the type of people? Um, right. Is this product really as good as I think it is? Is this, you know, is this content that we're making really that impactful? Like really understand it because you can get set in like a, I do A, B, and C, and C is my result, or D is my result. I don't know how to spell. Um, <laughs> and, and when you get into that habit, it's easy to become complacent with, oh, now this is just how we do things. This is how it works. Right. But like even recently, I've had this like weird, like, you know, it's good, and the money's fine, we've got employees, and everything's working. But I'm like, there's something that's weird. So I'm like now taking some time, and I'm, I'm, I'm doing a daily uh, video journal. There's like an app on my phone, and I like just talk oh, for wow. like two minutes. And I feel at the end, I'm like, that's what was on my chest. Right. If you don't take the couple of minutes, it's like a, uh, y- you can go, f- I, and I have gone 18 months, and then you're like, am I even happy with this? Like, is this where I wanted to go? And like, just right. because the money is there doesn't mean shit. Right. You can, I was making great money, and I had a midlife crisis at like 24. Like I, right. was, I like lost my mind for like yeah. four hours, and it was like, oh shit, like you gotta really spend some time thinking. And, and honestly, even after that, I dove right into software. I dove right into the agency, and I never, ever looked back. I just this is this is what it is, and like this right. is how we do it. And now, recently in the last six months, I've really started to think about that and try and understand. You know, is this exactly what I want? And if it's not, like you can make it that way. There's mm-hmm. tools. There's resources. There's ways. There's so much. You have so much advantage with like technology and different things out there now. Where I'm like, hey, you know what? I I could drop this service. There's enough people that need this other thing. Mm-hmm. Like one thing I was like, you know, we were getting a lot of referral business and sorry, I'm going on a tangent now, but no it's usually the way it go. Um, you know, we weren't getting a lot of training referrals because it's like, it's weird to tell another business owner like, Hey, do you suck at this? You should go get this company to do it. But I was like, Oh, but marketing, we get tons, mm-hmm. tons of word of mouth referrals because we work our ass off for people. Mm-hmm. And like, I was like, the training is not really coming in maybe we should just step away from it. And I was like, no, we should actually just go and like, what's how many people do you need to talk to to get how many meetings to get how many, and then just what mm-hmm. is that thing? So we do this thing now where we're going to collect 25,000 emails in the next 30 days. I'm going to email 25,000 decision makers and across North America to say, Hey, do you want this training? Right. And probably 15 are going to say yes. And then we're set for the rest of the year for training. Right. So it's like, um, I, I guess the point of that is just to say, don't become complacent and spend the time to think about what that means for you and what like what you enjoy, what makes you happy, and just like when you can, if you can, tweak your environment or your settings to to fit that, and you'll stay way more motivated. Awesome, that's that was a great tangent and uh, great way to end it, Mike. Thanks so much for coming on again, sharing your story, sharing your insight. If people want to check out your agency or or check you out or get in touch, how can they do that? Yeah, uh, you can check out uh, socialmediahouse.to or mikeajmall.com, and then you can find all my stuff on there, podcasts and social and all that good stuff. Awesome. And we'll have links to those in the description, Mike. Thanks again. Really appreciate your time. Thank you. Hey, everyone. Josh here checking in just one last time. Wanted to say thanks so much for listening to the podcast episode. I hope you got a ton of value out of it. And if you want to keep getting more of the Solopreneur Grind content, make sure to join the email list. What I do is send three emails a week with additional content such as what's going on in the background of my solopreneur journey, insights I'm having on business, and updates when new podcast episodes like these come out as well. It's free. It always will be. The link to join is in the description of whatever podcast platform you're listening this to on. Really hope to have you on the list and continuing to share these awesome solopreneur journeys and insights with you as well. Have a great day and hope to see you soon.